0: You're listening to The Bloodsucking Feminists, your number one Kiwi-Scottish podcast focused on the three Fs, fangs, feminism, and fangirling. I'm Catherine. And I'm Julie. And you're listening to episode 33, Hostile Takeover, or Daybreakers, directed by Michael and Peter Spedick. Now, this is supposedly an Australian-American science fiction horror film, and well, I get the science fiction and horror aspect, the Australian bit is kind of meh. Like, there's some Australian people in there, like uh, the lead female actress is an Australian, there's two New Zealanders, so you know, we, we tend to show up in Australian things as well, but it's the actual setting is very generic. American yeah, this feels more like We can
1: call it an Ausploitation movie because it's funded by Australian uh, financing. It is made by Australian directors, but it's also... We need, like, American names so that we can get Americans to go see this movie because there have never been any majorly successful Australian actors that we could put in a lead role like this. Good, is there? I mean, are we pre-Hemsworth? Yeah.
0: (laughs) This is definitely... (laughs) I think this was, you know, Hemsworth still is a is a young series of upcoming hotness. I mean, this is probably post Saddle Club Chris Hemsworth, but... Anyway, onto the... Although now I want a vampire movie starring Chris Chris Hemsworth, so... Ideas, everyone. Ideas. Uh, It is very, very generic in some of the setting, or at least the locale. If you know Australia, you can sort of see... When they go out into the vineyards and everything, that's probably more Australian than the city itself. But other than that, they've certainly done their best to wipe away a lot of the Australian markers to make it more palatable for the American audience. Or just because they think Americans are dumb, which, given a lot of comments I've seen, valid assumption. I think the thing about the
1: a sort of story like this is A lot of the stylistic elements that we choose are actually really interesting, but it's also sort of generic setting that we just kind of... I mean, we assume it's American because everyone has an American accent. You know, as much as it would have been really amazing for Sam Neill to just talk with his normal accent as this kind of louche, incredibly evil vampire businessman, that doesn't happen. But that's, like, the case of a lot of these movies, is the idea that, like, America equals default mode almost or Canada made to look like America or Australia made to look like generic <laughs> America and then anything more specific then it would be more oh well the only people who would want to see that are people that area
0: yeah you either have to make it super generic like this movie or you run screaming into the most New Zealand of things like with what we do in the shadows
1: there are no meat raffles here because,
0: my god <laughs> I knew you'd make That's a joke still about my that you... thing me. I'm just obsessed with that. And yet it's and yet it's such a generic aspect of New Zealand going out to like the bowls club culture. You have a you have a mystery raffle and you have some meat raffles. The mystery raffle is generally not meat. Uh yeah, it, it I mean, there's a lot I, I liked about it. It was a very serviceable movie. It got me thinking about a few things. I liked that it really went on a science bent of how it treated the response to vampirism rather than, look, vampires created by science, rah, that you get in some other things. But also, some things generic. Yeah, I think...
1: I, if I was to describe this this piece, it, for me it almost feels like the pilot to a TV series that never got made, so they then decided to repackage it into a film. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it does show that there's brimming with a certain amount of potential that they don't necessarily know how to pay off. So, the world building here, the idea that a vampire virus that has been passed down from, like a form of rabies, they seem to suggest, has Transformed the vast majority of the world, the world's population into vampires, and in the space of ten years, that po- their need for blood has already become essentially a famine situation. That they are not able to uh, feed everyone; the entire continents are going, are basically starving because of this. Um, so, I, I was really fascinated by that because we see a lot of these sort of stories of what if it was vampire, but more sciency than horror, and usually that's that can be a bit of a it can be a route that people just get a bit lazy with, you know, that it's a route where people just try and be edgier and, like, you know, they're vampires, but we're never actually going to call them vampires. I mean, the best examples of that are um, I Am Legend and Ultraviolet with the latter of which we've already talked about, that's not to say that they're bad, but you see that around a lot that's almost afraid to call them vampires, but no, here, they're vampires.
0: Yeah, we're vampires and we know it. Clap our hands.
1: <laughs> um, have your nice vampire latte. Um, you know, O-negative o in your coffee.
0: Yeah, there's still very much of the humanity in them, but it's all twisted and corrupted into this vampire thing, you know? We're only serving 2% blood now, and everyone gets mad because they need their freaking coffee blood.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think they are going for something slightly more... I don't know if they're necessarily going for, like, a kind of social critique of capitalism. You could probably play it that way. But we, I mean, we've we talked about this before. How often have we read or watched a vampire story where the vampire character is rich and it's just kind of, well, of course they're rich. It's never really talked about where they get their money from. Ugh.
0: Well, um, I know that uh, Carlisle Cullen has been showing up on the Forbes fictional list <laughs> for a while now. Like, I think he was a threat to Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, there's just crossover potential there, really, isn't there? But that's the thing, is how often... Um, I mean, it's the thing, it's a get-out-of-storytelling-plot-hole-free uh, card, isn't it? You know, if a character is rich, you don't have to deal with shit like, well, how have you lived in the same house for a hundred years, or how can you go from place to place and do all these things? It just, well, we're rich. And usually it's, oh, well, we've been around a long enough time that we've just... we've made all this money, or all you know, inherited from ourselves, or all these things. But here... The idea of vampirism and its intersection with capitalism for me was one of the most interesting parts of the story because it's you see how an epidemic like this would affect the world in a short term way and how they never really managed to move beyond short term. So, their short term is basically to do what they've always done, which is like, let's turn to the private sector and they will help us. And that's how we get evil vampire. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, this, and it even shows up at the end where, spoiler alert, people are like, we've got a blood substitute now. We don't need to have a cure. We can still make money off this. But
1: even then, there is always the potential. I mean, what is it that Samuel says? You know, there are still some people who are going to be willing to pay a bit more for the real stuff. And, you know, who, we've got to supply, you know, for, for the demand because he's a good businessman in that aspect. Um and I was really fascinated by his character actually. So Sam, so Sam Neill plays Charles Bromley who is the head of the you know the biggest provider of blood in America. He was before the plague arrived he had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. He was going to die and then he was given uh a you know a fresh life through this um this virus and he has managed to basically get a foot in the door for providing you know sustenance for everyone else but you know the reason he wants to keep that status quo in place isn't necessarily for power it's for money he wants to become like basically he wants to be like the scrooge mcduck of the vampire world and it was just so fascinating that even in a vampire like you're gonna live forever and your 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 concern is still money i was i was really kind of fascinated by that it's sort of a cold mundane element that we don't really consider any sort of stories, but of course there would be some people who would be, you know, still driven like that. We, I think we know people in real life who would probably want that.
0: Well, here's the thing. If you're going to live forever, you've got to make sure that forever life is going to be super comfortable.
1: Which is fair enough. Uh, we don't see a lot of people actually interrogate getting to that stage and the entire financial ecosystem around that, you know, people like millions and millions of people potentially could die. Samuel won't care because you know it's good for business so
0: because on the other hand we do actually see some poorer vampires in this movie we see uh, a vampire beggar he's literally got a sign saying you know he want, he needs blood and we see these um, runaway kids who obviously can't afford a lot of the blood that's going on and they've apparently been digging up graveyards hoping to find blood in decomposing bodies. Gross.
1: (laughs) Actually, I will say, this is, uh, was this an R-rated or was this PG-13 rated? Because
0: it's pretty visceral. Ah, that is a good question. Okay, so it was a
1: 15 rating in the Ah. UK, so... So, mature. Right, so it was probably R. you,
0: You can watch it, but with a parent.
1: Because I was going to say, I was actually like, the opening of the film, we sort of see an establishing shot of, there is this child who we find out is a vampire who's decided to commit suicide by going out into the sun. And it's not, you know, we've, we've seen versions of the story where they just crumble to ash. It's not like that was this vampire. She screams. Oh, it's agonizing. Like, it's you, it's really, like, you could probably smell the flesh burning if you tried hard enough. Um, I was—I actually appreciated that the storytelling is kind of kept to that opening and then the credits. You know, it's to the point. There's not a whole lot of scenes where people just sit around saying, "Well, as you know, we're all vampires now, and we all need blood to survive." Like I, that, you could see a lot of stories going that way, and they don't tend to do here. The only bit that I had a problem with is like they have all these like flashing headlines of you know the plague ten years on and. Um, caused by bats and blood supplies dun-dun. and then there's just an advert for Vampire Tooth Whitener Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's, laughs> which just took like, out of, of the scene for me for a little bit Like, but I do like the idea that even there, uh, even vampire adverts are still cheesy
0: but how do they get a
1: picture of them because they don't have reflections
0: um, but they do show up in uh, video cameras that's how they can you know, do their makeup and stuff and see things when they're driving. The
1: driving I thought
0: um, was very cool. Yeah. I, I wanna touch on all the, that vampire technology, but I do want to go back to the little girl in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, reading up on this she says she's patient zero. She is she is it. And her beginning it's actually quite slow and it it is there's a lot of little detail in there I like. Like she's got the She's living in her bedroom. She's got the mirror covered of photographs and cut- cutouts of magazines. There's pictures of her and her friends and her family. There's like, I think there's maybe some celebrities she likes. It's very twelve year old girl, and then you, and you see her writing her suicide note of how she can't do it. The guilt is too much. She she didn't mean for any of this to happen. And then she goes out, sits there, is calm waves of sunlight and then you can see the the pain and the panic and the determine almost determination on her face to stay there
1: I mean, it certainly makes an impact as an opening Yeah, but it also is it's um, not
0: an easy thing to watch no it's
1: not but it also highlights I think one of the problems that we do have with the film which is uh, it, there's not a lot of women in this film uh, she is one of, like, I would say three who have an impactful role on the plot. In some way or this, another.
0: This doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Oh, not even close. The Bechdel Wallace It, it test? doesn't
1: pass the Bechdel Wallace test, like, not even close. Um, but I just, I was a little disappointed just by how kind of broadly stereotyped the women were. Because, like, you're getting into these really interesting areas with the men. You have this lead character who is a vampire hematologist who has sympathies for humans who has trouble this troublesome relationship with his brother you know you know and the sort of conflict that that forms in his you know loyalties then you have the willem defoe character who is a former vampire who ended up basically being cured and he ends up as something like a leader of the revolution and his name is elvis for some reason which i was kind of Uh, that that was a bit much for me but then you know know, sam neil as we've already talked about was what if you know how do you mix vampires and capitalism but then with the women you've got sam neil's daughter the estranged daughter and then you've got um audrey who's kind of the other leader of the humans but even then she's not necessarily i wouldn't say she's as driving a force as any of the men she just seems to kind of go along with it she
0: gets stuff done she
1: gets stuff done but she's not leading it necessarily
0: Yeah, it's like, I I think she uses the men as the figureheads while she's busy getting shit done.
1: But that's, and this is also the other thing, is this movie is almost exclusively white.
0: We have two characters of colour, and they both end up dead. One is a member of the Resistance, sort of like a a second-in-command to Audrey, not to Elvis. I think Elvis seems to be a bit more of a do-his-own-thing-on-the-side kind of guy.
1: But he's Willem Dafoe. He could have started this shit out on his own if he was a
0: vampire. That is true, but the point is, he's not a vampire anymore. And of course... Yeah, and of course the other guy is one of the first vampires we actually meet after the death of Patient Zero is Jay LaGaya as Wes Turner. He's a senator and he is having uh, a a debate with another vampire senator who's like, yeah, come on farm them. I need all the blood. And he's like, "Uh, humans they're people. You know, he's trying to be a bit more of a decent guy and he actually is working with the resistance. Spoiler, ends up dead. And you sometimes almost can almost miss that he was actually working with the Resistance as well because he does show up with the Resistance at some point, but it's in such a... I'm probably going to say they probably had a bigger scene there and they cut it because otherwise he's just helping people into a car and then driving off with them. Because either that's a really piss-poor moment of writing or somebody cut out something bigger.
1: I mean, that is a shame because there is this... As we've said, like the world building here is pretty damn good. There's, you know, it is brimming with potential and ideas, but it's, you know, it's still like a lot of these stories ends up being very limited in terms of gender and race. You know, we've been having this debate recently as what's going on with the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them movies. Like this idea, like I'm so fucking sick of straight people saying it doesn't matter if Dumbledore is openly gay or not in the of Like, yes, it fucking does. I can't accept your words straight
0: people. I mean, part of that storyline issue was that he was... had problems with his own feelings for Grindelwald, which is why he struggled to stop him. Because... His ex-boyfriend is Wizard Hitler.
1: It's a big part of the story.
0: Or at least the guy who he wanted to have as his ex-boyfriend is Wizard Hitler. Not sure how Grindelwald took any of this, but probably took advantage of it, if nothing else.
1: So yeah, I'm done, I'm done with straight people lecturing me on shit like that. But I, I kind of had a bit of that problem with this as well. It's like nobody ever says, you know, I'm not, there's no interviews with, with filmmakers or anything where they say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if everyone's white or anything. That's not the point. The point is, you know, maybe you're just boring at what you do. if You, you, you can build all of these incredibly, you know, limitless worlds and ideas and stories, but you still only want to fill them with white dudes.
0: You took a step by having uh, Joe Gaia as a vampire senator, you know, great initial character, but then you broke your heel and stumbled on the next step.
1: Yep, guess what happens to him? <laughs>
0: <sighs> uh, so, there, we've already discussed the fate of uh, Patient Zero. And there are two other women that we've discussed. There's Audrey, leader of the resistance, our... You know, one of our heroes. And so, you know, happy ish ending there. But the other female character is Alison Bromley. And she. While she definitely has some fire and personality of her own. And with the context of the situation, that context is men.
1: Yeah. This is. I would. Would we classify this as fridging?
0: She definitely her death does cause the change in uh, Frankie Dalton, Edward's brother. But, by God, that she doesn't go easily into that good sunlight.
1: But it's also it's partly to you know, hit, add to the redemptive arc of Frankie more than anything else. Exactly. Um, because you know it the the re, uh, so Allison is Charles's human daughter. She didn't want to become a vampire she was you know she's estranged from her father because he became a vampire so he has frankie forcibly turn her but when she refuses to drink human blood she turns into what they call a subsider which is basically the like the psychotic subhuman kind of back creature the vampires turn into if they've been deprived of blood for too long and then once allison dies um she. Uh, this is you know. This is what makes Frankie feel sad, and that's what makes Frankie decide that he is going to help the humans with their their cure. And I'm just really bored of that kind of storyline, because mm-hmm. th- it's over and done with in the film, like quite quickly as well.
0: It's it's again it's quick but and harsh, much like the the death of Patient Zero. It's meant to really kick you in the guts but the longer feelings that linger after is once again another woman sacrificed for the character development of a man like in the moment she's you know she's strong she's holding on to her ideals she's basically her, her, her last moments in death are a final fuck you to every man in her life but it's her last moments she's executed in a part of that forced march of the subsiders while everyone's sort of watching. You know, it's like watching... It's one part execution, one part funeral with everyone sort of watching and crying as their subsider relatives are walked out into the sunlight. And even in her last moment, she's still basically uh, trying to attack uh, Frankie. But it's very clear that that moment is... Even more about Frankie's realization of what the hell he's done and what the hell he's been doing.
1: Yeah, I just. I'm, I'm sick of women being motivation for men.
0: Ditto! <laughs> like, because ditto. there's a lot of roles in
1: these films. Like, there's a lot of roles in this film in particular that I don't think there is any specific reason it has to be a dude. Like, even Hawk doesn't have to be a guy.
0: Frankie doesn't have to be a guy.
1: No, um, I mean. Sam Neill doesn't necessarily have to be a guy, but it's Sam Neill, so we'll allow it.
0: Unless they decide to put in Helen Mirren or something. I can. I could I I, could I, I cope could with that. that. You know, evil
1: vampire businesswoman Helen Mirren. I, I am intrigued by your ideas.
0: I have a newsletter.
1: <laughs> I will subscribe.
0: Um, but yeah, we're that's here for the old them. memes. <laughs>
1: oh, we're not going to start talking about steamed hands now. Why is that mean meme <laughs> now? So
0: confused. He was wearing sneakers for sneaking. <laughs> oh, no, Sorry, I, I had... <laughs> I know, I had to bring in the Sam Neill reference. Come on.
1: Unlike other senior citizens, he's got the world's largest cubic zirconia on his coffee table. This is all getting caught myself. It's under a big key. <laughs> a big V. <laughs> so anyway... Um, so I have a question for you uh
0: uh questions. oh I'm I going, going to be feared.
1: graded? you'll be fine you're good um the it's a plague that causes vampirism. It is something that they basically cannot help. Do you think that that makes them more or less sympathetic because they are still farming humans for blood and their setup is essentially the less gooey version of the the one from the Matrix?
0: No. Because we're clear from some of the dialogue that many of them chose vampirism. It may be a plague, but they chose to become infected.
1: Well, that is something that they kind of dig into as well, is the idea that once this thing started to get to, like, a kind of a majority level... um some people did volunteer other people were sort of forced into it so our our you know our hero edward was you know not essential was not wild about the idea at the start
0: he was bit by his brother against his consent um and he still doesn't drink human blood which is a i i'm going to assume he he may have drunk it in the past but he's certainly not drinking it now
1: Yes, his brother basically brings along a bottle of pure, pure vintage human blood um, from the Two Paddocks range and he refuses it. How, how great would that Twitter video be? Just Sam Neill as a vampire in a field with blood just talking to pigs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but, and then, of course, Charles Bromley it's very clear that he became a vampire because he didn't want to die of cancer. And also money, like he's big on money. Well, it's like well, now that I'm I've dealt with this pesky dying thing, I can go on with the money thing, you know. He just put the money on pause. Money couldn't save him, but now he can save the money.
1: (laughs) But I I keep coming back to it because to me that's just such an interesting element, and it's it's kind of disappointing that it does. The film ends like all of these films end, which is it's all blood and carnage and fighting. But like the idea of just treating humans as a kind of capital was really intriguing because there is a scene where they're talking about blood supplies are now so low that private investors are pulling their stock and by that they mean they're taking their humans out of the blood banks to just like keep them hanging in their kitchen to feed from
0: and also when you do look at the blood banks you can see that at least one of them is visibly pregnant they're breeding their stock
1: That that was a particularly
0: interesting image. Like, they really do... They'd have to though, wouldn't they? Think about the the eco-angle of this. This is about the uh, dwindling of resources. You know, think of Australia's mining resources dwindling, or the the coal, or the trees. That's what they've turned humans into. A resource. And I... Not quite sure how subtly they get that across to the audience.
1: Well, I think some moments are really well done. You know, they don't linger too much, but there's enough implied that it gets you going. But then there's a lot of, like, close ups of, here's all the bloods that you can get in your coffee. And then you can practically hear the directors in the background going, Starbucks is bad. (laughs) I mean, I am all in favour of, like, a big honking vampire movie that's, like, you know, capitalism is kind of shit. Um, because we see a lot of vampire stories where the vampires are basically big honking conservatives. Like the entire power structure of vampirism is something that relies on, you know, you know, feeding on the plebs and, you know, being the bourgeois figure of it all. So I, I like that there is just a direct like you're a fucking arsehole for caring this much about money over people.
0: And you're and then of course you've got the we're only able to serve 2% blood now. You can't get your full 5% fat milk.
1: <laughs> Is that a specifically Australian well, problem? Like, are Australians I, really into 5% fat milk? I
0: mean, blood. I don't know, but it, maybe it's a beer reference instead. But since they're putting it into coffee, I'm thinking it's going, you must have skim milk rather than the full the full stuff. Or maybe it's like, you can't have your soy milk. <laughs>
1: I did enjoy as well, there is a moment at the beginning of the film where um, Edward sees a group of, like, teenagers kind of, like, sulking around in a corner and they're all drinking their fancy coffees. And it's like, even when they're done dead, they're still doing
0: this shit. And they're all smoking. Everyone in this
1: film smokes. Everyone smoke. Which I, I felt like, okay, you're hammering that in a bit much for me. Like, I get what you're doing, but it just got a bit obnoxious for me by the end.
0: Yeah. I mean, it fits the, the visual style of the thing, and I guess if you don't need to worry about lung cancer, you you can go ahead and do that. But it, it, it is like, okay, uh, Edward, I think we need to have a bit of an intervention here. You're, like, smoking way too much. You know what? You're stinking up the car.
1: I've just realised we're talking about a film with a vampire called Edward. <laughs>
0: <Fuck>. <laughs> Hang on, what year did um Twilight come out? Um, the 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 book. Well, I know the book was two thousand five. Was the movie two thousand? Two
1: thousand eight, two thousand nine, or two thousand nine? Because um,
0: breaking down the book comes in two thousand eight, right? So, uh, Google Twilight. 2008 was Twilight. 2008, so, so yeah, yeah, this is... They say it was... This movie was apparently filmed 2007, but at this point, Twilight was starting to become a... <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Episode over. I'm done. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Um,
1: he does brood a lot, though. So, you know, that that doesn't feel like a an entirely inaccurate name to give him.
0: Anyway, what were we talking about before you ruined everything? Besides, oh. <laughs> Edward smoking. Edward smoking. Not which was the opposite of what Edward Cullen would do, but with his, you know, restrained Mormonism.
1: By the way, um, I'm assuming a lot of our listeners will have already heard this, but Lindsay Ellis has done a video about Stephanie Meyer on her YouTube channel, which is very good and you should check it out. Um, so yeah, um, Edward smoking, it's I, I, it's one of those sort of visual cues that obviously, you know, hey, it, it's, it's a combination of like an inside joke and just a hint of nihilism because, um, she's, all these vampires are, you know, they're not going to die from lung cancer, but also when your entire visual style is kind of a cross between retrofuturism and film noir, of course everyone's smoking.
0: Also, just Bromley Marks sounds like a cigarette company. I have to say, it really does, actually.
1: I'm surprised that they didn't find a way to, you know, he didn't find a way to cash
0: in on that, actually. Since we tried to talk about the the visual style and the retrofuturism and everything, I do want to go into a bit more detail about that technology factor of this movie.
1: Well, that was one of the things that I found so interesting about the story in terms of everything that these people are doing is a short-term solution. By design, it has to be because it's only been a decade that's passed. They don't really have time to plan for your long-term investment of you know human agriculture because you're fucking hungry now. Um, but there are certain elements that it's very clear that once again the private sector has come in, you know, to save the day. So Edward has a car um that he can drive during the day because it's with a series of UV filters and cameras. Which I thought was very cool actually. Um and did seem like a walking advert. It probably was. But it's it's those elements that are really interesting. It's not only filling a need that all of these people now have, but it is also helping to fuel a sort of utopian, lavish lifestyle. Because like Edward's apartment as well Really
0: nice. Yeah, he seems to live on um, company. He's in the company uh, apartments in the company community because uh, it is like the Bromley Marks estates or housing development or something. But also, his house has um, an automated thing warning when a when a door is open during the day. They they have turned technology to their own survival and their own making everything easier. For, for I admit, I was actually quite surprised the amount of daylight scenes that you saw only vampires in. Like the full-on bodysuits and armour that the vampire soldiers were wearing when they were going out and doing their daylight manoeuvres. That was something that I didn't expect to see. But it shows that, yeah, they have been adapting to a daylight to a world where half the day is fatal to them but they aren't going to let it go that easily they're developing they're using science to come up with their vampire uh, blood alternative you know their their version of true blood then they're, they're not taking they're not going back into a, a you know a fantasy horror type of thing they are like, "Well, we may be vampires now, but we're still fucking scientists." The the style may be in that 1930s sort of visual look, but their technology is advancing like we see today. They they're not they may be stuck in some aspects, they're physically stuck. They're running out of food, but technologically they are advancing. They've got advertisements for, um, you know, safe transit during the day through underground tunnels that they're building. There's advertisements for vampire-specific beauty products. You know, they've updated their coffee systems to add blood to it when you go purchase them at the subway. They're, They're not stuck, unlike so many other vampires, which is interesting. Some of them are stuck in the old ways of class and uh, ignoring the poor and um, ignoring children and things like that. And gosh, that's a thing. Would you be stuck 12 in a classroom forever? But some things are still moving. Towards the, the inevitable train crash at the end when they run out of food that some of them don't seem to be accepting... But they are moving. They're dead, not still. Yeah, and I,
1: I appreciated that this was on a relatively, like, short time scale. Like, this is only a decade that you know we see the, the plague take over, and um, everyone having to live with that. It's you know if this was taking place over a longer period of time, I think it would have sort of stretched, you know, compromised the verisimilitude of the story. But, you know, the reason that they are doing things like massive investment in these private companies or, you know, hey, you should get your coffee now or, hey, you should get your teeth white now, it's, it's a short-term solution because they really don't have any... Like, how do you prepare for something like this? You don't really.
0: No, um, that's, 10 years feels about right. It's enough time for so many to get infected, for industry to start revolving around its new customer base but not enough for them to found a solution or to have entirely wiped things out plus by putting it on such a short time scale it really emphasizes just how destructive they were to the human population both in escaping from it and then using it as a food source because of course we mentioned earlier that at least they are attempting to breed uh, humans for to increase their stocks, but this is not like your Sam Neill on your winery where you've got some pigs with a you know a, a much more rapid uh, rate of uh, replacement, or you know you've still got a good number of years before you've got a fully mature adult to siphon from and they haven't reached that point because it's only been 10 years and you assume the farming aspect is less they've probably at most got a couple of five-year-olds i think that have been bred for that purpose
1: yeah you get ai mean they don't dwell on it too much but you really get a sense of the scale of this thing it's not you know like this happens so quickly to a point where they basically weren't able to keep up with it they're barely hanging on but they don't spend you know too much time in it which i appreciate because there are moments where the world building is actually quite deft and then there are other points where it's much more clunky because you get the feeling there's going to be a script edit like no no talk it up talk it up
0: that's why i think probably setting like a tv show would actually work quite well It gives it a bit more time to look at some of these things you know rather than physically just have Edward go and look at the body farm and then walk away awkwardly. So, So we previously mentioned a character called Elvis. His real name is actually Lionel Cormac. He's the character played by Willem Dafoe and the name Elvis is a reference to his constant references to... um, an Elvis song about the Sun he is the he's actually one of the first in the city to create that UV protection and special mounted cameras for driving which I actually thought was a nice little bring back and also explains all his issues with cars so he he's, he's a car guy he wanted to drive his fancy cars he's gonna come up with some ideas but he's also our first vampire to have been cured he still has the scars from the bite, but he doesn't have the eyes, he can go out in the sun, he uh, doesn't drink, he doesn't need to drink blood, he drink- eats food. Although, actually, I don't know if the vampires ate, did they? Did the vampires eat food in general, or was it just a, it's more a habit? A habit. Like uh, it's like an, an
1: element of civilization, because they're always playing up this element, particularly the ones who have a lot of money. You know, that, you know, one must carry on as normal, almost. Which is, you know, Samuel wine. Which I also feel like might have just been a marketing opportunity, but I don't know.
0: And I guess, you know, having it with food did make you think, yeah, we're still people, we're still... You know, we, we're we not that different. We just add a new ingredient to our menus. Uh, anyway, so... What happened with him was he was driving during the day, he hadn't been drinking enough blood, he got distracted and crashed his car. He flew out the window, because apparently seat seatbelts. You don't need them as a vampire. While he was flying through the air, he caught on fire, but he fell into the water, which put out the fire and turned him back to human due to the precise exposure to the sun. When he was then found by Audrey. And that is our initial vampire cure. Some guy fell asleep at the wheel, caused an accident, ended up potentially saving the world.
1: And now you know better,
0: kids. Don't wear your seatbelts if you're a vampire. But it again gives us that it, he is the character who's got the past and thing that leads into the attempt at recreation that we see where they build, take one of the wine-aging barrels and turn it into some sort of device again it's i have no idea how the science is supposed to work but it looks cool okay i'm not sure how the theory of you know traumatize the vampire body and burn the vampirism away and shocking the heart into starting is supposed to work but it's vampires and honestly we've seen weirder and they at least take the attempts at recreating it in a somewhat scientific way you know they they use heart monitors to check to check the thing they use oxygen masks on the humans there, there's a serious approach to it and it's not a, a one off thing they keep on going and it looks hard too edwards clearly suffering through it but he's like no 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 we've got to do this we've got to do this
1: Yeah, this means if you presented a bunch of vampires with this option, wouldn't you be like, "I'm okay"?
0: Yes, like thank goodness that it turns out their blood is a reverse plague, which I think fits does fit in nicely. That that one, once cured, they can then become the cure themselves. Except it's kind of dangerous when everyone's kind of blood starved.
1: I I liked how sort of unapologetically monstrous that element was.
0: Yeah, well, you can tell that these guys had done a zombie movie previously.
1: Yeah, but I also enjoyed the way, like, like I thought, uh, I appreciated the way that they showed how the other vampires reacted to that.
0: Oh like, yeah, they
1: they go to a crime scene and Edward recognizes the guy who's like his local gardener. He's like, I saw the guy only two weeks ago, and he turns out he'd actually been feeding on himself, which sped up the, 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 the mutation process. But the way that this other um, like schlubby police officer detective, like outright dismisses him. Is so fascinating that they're already you know you guys aren't human, but these things are less than not human. You know.
0: Also, just the the bit where the the starving vampire soldiers realize they've got a human in their midst, even though he that he's one of their own, one of their brothers, people who they. They've, been with and trained with their starving instinct takes over and it's it's a, it's a scene from a zombie movie basically but then those that eat him are cured and it's a cycle and then you think like they do this with Sam Neill as well Charles Bromley, he gets cured, everyone eats him they get cured and then the next round of vampires swoops in on those cured, becoming cured themselves and then you think Okay. Good. Good. The, okay. After all of that, Frankie kind of did a sacrifice and ended up at least curing this group of soldiers. They've got some allies. It's going to be good. And then someone comes in and guns them all down. I'm like, God damn it!
1: But I enjoyed that bittersweet element, you know. It makes that ending a lot less cut-and-dry heroic. You know, there are clear lines between good and bad here, but you also get the feeling that, like, actually, if money is to be made, then that's probably going to be the option that actually wins in the long term. And also, how do you tell a bunch of people, you know, yeah, you could live forever and we could farm these fuckers, or you could, you know, go back to normal and then be at the possible, you know, receiving end of being chased down by these people for the rest of your life. It's pretty. You know, they have a hard sell.
0: Yeah, that, that would be something to really explore in the long term, whether there can be a balance found. With the addition of the blood substitute, can you sort of get a true bloody type factor? Well,
1: that's when you go into the second season of
0: your show. Because cause there are people who would not want to be vampires. But that, that feels like its
1: own sort of like weird wolf of Wall Street, yeah. doesn't it? Like, who wants to be a vampire and who doesn't? And like, what side of the business is going to be the more... Like, which one would you want to invest in? Yeah. You know, where are the private stockholders going to go?
0: And then, of course, you've got your whole organic human blood type of thing. You know, the humans marketing themselves as free range you can you know they're they're on good diets they see the sun our blood tastes better when it's given freely
1: so that's it the entire like you've not only got this particular economy you've already got an you know an inherent black market to that so the entire layers that you could have going on with this story are really interesting I, i would have liked to have seen more of that you know but it, it it i i would rather have a movie where i want more than less. one that you
0: want so. yeah see this one it it has its it, it, there's some moments it could definitely do better but the fact that we're thinking about the the wider impact of this world of what's happening to not just these characters but the society the economy the culture i mean we've talked about the advertising and how it's become market, how that's marketed differently and its products are different Uh, there is a big picture here that some movies don't give it touches on it but it gives us enough room to think and ponder and wonder there's enough room for the and the adventure continues to actually be a difficult adventure it's not just them driving off into the sunshine yay it's well they've got a cure but not everyone's going to want it and the cure itself is dangerous to provide sure they got rid of the antagonists but society is there
1: it really makes you think, and hey, that's one of the better things to come out of some of the movies we have watched.
0: Because <laughs> I mean, we've we going back to Jayla Lagaya's character, where's Turner, the senator, and um, also Edward Dalton, not Edward Cullen. Oh, God, similar sort of names. Um, there's clearly vampires out there who aren't ex- entirely happy with their existence. Even if they do want to be vampires, they don't want to be just consuming humans. So there, there is going to be subgroups in there, and that's something that I think a TV show or a book or a comic or something could touch on. There's probably larger pockets of people like Wes and Edward than we originally believe. Audrey just hasn't come across them. She says that they've been looking for vampires who will be on their side. And clearly they've found Wes. And he is speaking publicly about this, by the way. He's not like Edward, just, you know, carefully going along and um, trying not to make waves. Occasionally making comments. This guy is on TV debating other politicians about this. This is a guy who's definitely putting his neck out there.
1: <laughs> neck.
0: Eh, I know, I was, that was a deliberate thing.
1: I mean, I also love that this. Of course, there are fucking you know, cable news think piece debates about this.
0: Well, to think back of um, going back to True Blood, all the times Nan Flanagan was on TV debating the religious right. Hmm. There's still going to be you know, talk radio and uh, TV shows and news and discussion pieces and panels and things like that. Because there's still going to be a demand for entertainment, there's going to be a demand for news. God, imagine what the this universe's twilight would have been. <laughs> some some vampire covered in makeup to try and look human, you know
1: why is he so pink? It's just all he could do with the makeup <laughs> You missed the spot. There's like his
0: his neck is still so... <laughs> he's just wearing weird, dentures. Oh. <laughs> me. And he's got contacts in. Okay, see, now that is something I would actually be interested in. The, a vampire world, where they do the, you know, the, 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 human, ro- the, the human romance, and the human is the, the, the different, and the... You know, this whole things about how he's so warm. He's so warm and soft and look at him in the sunlight. He looks pink. But not sparkly.
1: I think that's one of the driving things about this story that is so fascinating is just, here's a story that understands that when there is demand for something, that someone will always supply it.
0: Yeah,
1: And we don't really see that very often in a lot of these stories. Mostly because we don't watch or read a lot of these stories where the vampires are the majority. But there's always still a system in place, you know. There's always an idea of holding on to being, you know, civilized. And this is that version of
0: that. This is the story where the vampires won, but they need to hold on to their victory. Or their winning has come at a cost. And now we're seeing the cost. We haven't seen the, you know, the, the battle or the combat. This is the, well, now what movie.
1: And now, what is occasionally
0: just very mundane, and that's some of the most interesting stuff to me. Like, clearly, a good number of years have just been okay, we've just got to figure out how we drive cars, we've just got to figure out how we do this, this is good. And then the problems start. And it's food, sh- it's the basic things of food shortages, uh, overpopulation, issues reflected from our own world today.
1: Yeah, but it's not hammered home too much, this isn't like you know Darren Aronofsky and Mother and him sitting everyone down saying, what this is really about is a most the Mother Earth. It's like, I don't care. Let us read that ourselves. So I, I appreciate that it did that, you know. Although, I guess the ask question is, how critical can this be of that kind of capitalist system when it does make capitalism look pretty badass a lot of the time? Like, the car is awesome, the apartment is awesome, Sam Neill is living slash unliving. His best life. <laughs> His best
0: unlife.
1: But, like, he clearly p- posits himself as almost like. You know, because he's talked about so often in the news and he's always featured there, but he f- talks about himself in terms of being that kind of aspirational figure.
0: He's not right, not outright calling himself the savior, but by God, he's doing a pretty good job at, you know, making sure everything's going okay. Also, if it makes some money. But yeah, this is just... Let's take businessmen and add vampires. Let's see how messed up they get. You know, he didn't drive his daughter away because he's always working. He drove his daughter away because he's always working and he became a vampire. So he could continue always working for always. And that's the thing. Because it's only been 10 years, we've not seen issues with what people do when they retire. No replacement... a workforce you're always going to have to continue working
1: yeah like what are the unemployed vampires doing clearly not much because one of the vampire the first vampires we see who kind of goes feral seems to be a homeless man so there's obviously not a support system in place for him
0: yeah because he's begging for blood the children are obviously not being supported somewhere. They've been left to fend for themselves, so they're all gone feral in the way that teenagers and children seem to do in post-apocalyptic movies, you know, with the with the hair and the, the, the
1: outfit. Well, feral is more
0: like, is like, sullen. yeah, they're like, yeah, we're rebelling. Look at our hairstyles. Also, we're digging up corpses and trying to feed off them because... No one's around to take a ad- take a care of us, and we're not actual adults yet, and we do need the support system of functional adults. Feed us. Tell us to go to bed. We need boundaries.
1: <laughs> but I think we've, our thoughts are pretty clear. We would definitely recommend this. But you know, is there anything particular about it you want to shout out to people? Or
0: um, I think just watch it for what it makes you think about. It's certainly different from a lot of vampire films. Like, some of the horror is really, really obvious. Especially with the way it devolves into a zombie movie towards the end. But other bits is more subtle. I think watching it, if you're looking at a way vamp- to see how vampires might adapt to a more modern world and shaping the way that they can interact with it through the technology... Um, You know, some moments aren't grand. It still definitely has issues with women and characters of colour. So think about, you know, how you could improve on that in an adaptation or in a variation of this movie, or if you were running with some of those ideas. But it's certainly worth it just for the, the difference, for being different than a lot of other vampire movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like on ambition alone, you should give it a shot. It's only about it's only about a hundred minutes. It is certainly much more interesting than you've probably been led to believe it is. Um, it kind of stumbles at the final hurdle a little bit just because it feels like they've been told to amp it up for a Hollywood movie, and it does go more zombie than vampire. Um, but uh, there's a lot to recommend here. Just just in terms of the ideas behind it, even if they don't come to full fruition, there's still a lot here that you could really go to town on.
0: Also, corporate villain Sam Neill.
1: Yeah, our un- our second unofficial mascot Sam Neill gets to be a full-on, like, evil vampire capitalist. I really don't know what more you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're used to seeing when you think of Sam Neill, you think of um, gruff but good guy kind of characters. I mean, even his super educated characters like uh, from Jurassic Park they're still, you know, they're, they're gruff they're sometimes not the most friendly but they're good guys this is straight up sleek villain which I think he was enjoying immensely this was very much a what she's like, why Sam Neill, why? <laughs> With the, you know what This I, I had fun in this film I had much more
1: fun than I thought I, I, I felt like we were going to be kind of bored actually
0: was okay like i,
1: I had a time with this that sounds like such damning with faint praise but you know what we've washed a lot of shit for this this podcast and this, yeah.
0: shit. this is something that you'd you'd grab if you and your friends were watching a you'd binge watching a whole bunch of vampire stuff just for different for variety you know you you watch it you go like hang on how does that work while you're eating your popcorn but there's also some really interesting ideas and stuff that you should think about as well as we've discussed the the bigger picture This
1: feels like a more, this is like a more popcorn-y version of Ultraviolet.
0: So if you liked, so if Ultraviolet is the human response to the vampire issue, Hmm. Daybreakers is is the vampire response to the vampire issue, both on matters of technology. This is not um, vampires born of science, this is vampires using science.
1: So if you like your vampire stories with that more science fiction edge than horror or thriller, then I would, yeah, yeah you put this on your list. Because that's not a subset of the genre that we tend to get as much of. Okay. Um, so that's us for this month. We're pretending it's January, and we're sorry about that. It's been a long month. Um, but this uh, next episode, we're going to go back to the world of TV, and we're going to be talking about the Netflix series Castlevania. If you want to play the video games as well, you'll go for it. We're not going to stop you. It's four episodes. It's written by Warren Ellis of Creature fame. And it stars Richard Armitage because we get good things occasionally.
0: I'm excited about Tony Amendola, although Kaylee clearly has no idea who he is.
1: He looked familiar.
0: That's all I can
1: say. Um, But yeah, like, you know, you know, everyone I think has heard of Castlevania, but it'll be interesting to see it as a non-video game medium.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll dig into the video games at some point because I do want to touch on the video game side of mm-hmm. vampires. I mean, obviously, this uh, Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines, for all its faults, is still one of my favourite video games. Uh, there's also uh, there's also Vampire, a video game coming out from Don't Nod Entertainment. If you're familiar if you're not familiar with don't Nod you might actually be more familiar with them as the people behind life is strange and the um, action game remember me. Most probably life is strange because it's life is strange. So the, and of course there are other vampire video games but those are probably the big ones that I would like to touch on so. Anyway, that is us for this pretend January episode. As I said, next month, join us for the Castlevania Netflix series. Also, visit our website, bloodsuckingfeminist.com. Give us an email at fangmail at bloodsuckingfeminist.com. That's fangmail with a G. You should know that by now that we are terrible when it comes to jokes. We're also on Twitter as blood Sucking blood fucking. Blood fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it in, keep it in. <laughs> We're also on Twitter as Bloodsucking Femme. We've got a Facebook page which we really need to use more often. We also have our own Twitter feeds uh, which we will link to in somewhere. But other than that, go out, enjoy the sunshine without worrying about vampires driving video screened cars. Remember to wear your seatbelt and join us next month. Until then... By Sam Neil's wine. <laughs> we are not receiving any advertising for that. In any advertising. We about. do welcome it though. Or just wine. We would like wine, please. Thank you.